Hey, this is Chad Brown. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com. Happy Labor Day, Denver. In this morning for Chad and Nate, here's Kyle Reese and Denver 7's Troy Rank. Welcome back. Troy Rank, Kyle Reese, sitting in for Schlereth and Evans. Again, we're wrapping up a, a great Labor Day sports weekend as we're here in the studio. Uh, the Serena conversation is going on and, and the legacy that um, that she has and obviously Venus and Serena changing the game in the way that they did. So uh, that's something that, you know, shouldn't be left out of the sports conversation because obviously that's a, a era of tennis that, um, that is special and change things forever, similar to how I felt like Tiger Woods changed golf. You know, there's just there's just benchmarks in sports that you say, man, I was I was really glad to have witnessed that. I'm glad I was around for that. That was special, and I don't know when we're going to see that again. Yeah, Serena changed tennis. I mean, she was so powerful in the way she played the game. She just absolutely overpowered opponents, took their will away with her strength and her ability. And just now, she's just aged, and ever since she, you know, she had her child, and her just your priorities change. That's why it's so hard to stay elite into your late thirties and early forties because you typically then have a family, you have other business interests, you've made so much money, it takes some of the edge off. And it was a great run for her. I know it ended in round three. I watched all three rounds. It was fantastic to see her kind of finish on her own terms a little bit because yeah. at Wimbledon she just wasn't ready to play yet. I watched her in Wimbledon. She just wasn't ready. She looked every bit as, you know, ready in terms of U.S. Open. Looked great. It was it was fantastic. And she's in the conversation of greatest of all time. And depending on how you look at Steffi Graf, how you look at Chris Everett, Martina Navratilova, yeah. probably if you look just numbers, it's really hard to argue against Martina Navratilova, honestly, with singles and doubles titles. And she did it for so long. Um, but Serena's in that conversation. It's like with quarterbacks, although Tom Brady makes it easy with his. But there's like five that have arguments. And in women's tennis, Serena has an argument. It's the greatest of all time. No doubt. Uh, and, again, just a privilege to have watched that. And, um, you know, it's it feels like the end to an era. She could surprise us, but it feels like uh, she, I don't think she's going to pull a Brady on us. It doesn't feel that way. I think she played better than she expected, though. Yeah. And that's why she cracked the door open after the match. Yeah, yeah, and and you know what? She has become really savvy at that too, right? Over time, it's just how do I navigate the media? Um, how do I say a lot without saying anything, or say nothing and say a lot at the same time? There, there's a there's a way to do that, and so I, I think that's part of what has made her so popular in, in the public. It's just you know she she's changed the game, she's navigated the media well, she stood up for herself, and uh, and it's been fun to watch. So either way. Um, we talked a little bit about leadership coming out of the break and, and the importance of that. And obviously, a lot of that has changed in the Bronco ranks, even in the last year. In, in the last half decade, there's been instability in the front office and there's been questions about uh, drafting and, and personnel and all those things. And now all those things seem to be resolved. And you see uh, a really potent Broncos football team with a lot of energy and uh with what seems like really, really, really good leadership. And then you look around the league and all those, and you can't say the same for the rest of the teams. Um, so we talked about a little bit the importance of that. Tell me how that kind of permeates the facility, permeates the locker room, and eventually the fan base, and uh, how you view that through the Broncos' lens. 
Well, listen, it's about production and wins, so let's make sure we're clear here. I'm not trying to say that, oh, the way they make copies and make (laughs) coffee, you know, is you should credit them for that. But it is about establishing a culture. You know this as a coach. It's about establishing a culture, creating buy-in, make sure we're all on the same page here, that we're not divisive. That's the worst thing you want. And, And that we challenge each other. We have good friction. We create an environment where we can question each other and agree to disagree at times. And that's difficult with egos, especially in football, from my experience of covering it. And it all changed. The The pendulum began to swing when they hired George Payton, who could have been a GM probably six times over before he took the Broncos job. He was ready beyond ready. And he wanted this job because it's closer to the West Coast. He's a UCLA guy, iconic franchise. And he took it knowing the uncertainty of ownership. So he had to establish things were moving in the right direction because new ownership could come in and blow you out. You don't know that. Sure. Or give you one year and then blow you out. They found out, as we've all seen with him, this guy's the absolute grinder. Mm. I mean, if you think Russell Wilson is. I mean, George Payton started as the scout living on his friend's couch. He played walk-on at UCLA, played in Europe briefly, and then he began scouting the lowest level on the totem pole, living on a friend's couch, analyzing every position. And he got really good at it until he followed Ireland to Minnesota and then eventually became an assistant GM. He is known for his professionalism with agents. If you listen to every one of his press conferences, how he's very complimentary of when he traded Von Miller, when he deals with agents on contracts. That's something we didn't see around here for a long time because that Elway didn't really have to do that. Mm. George Payton's really good at that. And Peyton is a grinder. He sets the example with work ethic. It's part of the reason he had an allegiance to Vic Fangio. It was misguided because I think he saw, as we all did, Vic's a defensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. Mm. That's the and reality. That's okay. And that's okay, but that was exposed, especially with clock management and his inability to hold his offensive coordinator and special teams coach accountable. That's why the ship sank with him. But the pendulum changed and started to swing in the right direction in terms of leadership with George Payton. And then he gave it a year with Fangio, kind of stuck because he got hired. It would have been hard, hard to blow out the whole staff, fire all these assistants. So he gives Fangio a year, and he gave him a roster that could have reached the playoffs had they, you know, a couple things gone right, or at least had gone nine and eight. That's what I thought they were going to be last year. Yeah, it didn't happen. It was probably it was the best thing. He interviewed like eleven coaches to get to Hackett. It was one of the most exhaustive processes. Going wanted to make sure he got it right, and he and Hackett are not the same guy. George is more mellow, kind of a wry sense of humor, quiet, and he's not. Hackett is caffeinated. Right. <laughs> Like he is going. On 100 all the time. All the time. Like, he is right. bouncing. Which is okay, as long as that's genuine. As right? long as that's authentic. who you are. Right. Yes. And he's about building relationships and trust, because that was lost with Fangio and his staff. They had the oldest staff in the league. Yeah. They did not connect with young players. Hackett is a coach who's in his 30s who sees the young players as the YouTube generation. They do presentations that you would see in a classroom, interactive and competitive. They disguise learning as competition. Yes. They have a basketball hoop in the auditorium now where they start a meeting where like, okay, free throws, he called two guys out. Here we go. Get the the crowd going. Get the energy level up. Because there were coaches and players falling asleep in meetings last year. Wow. I know that for a fact. Because it was crusty and... 
boring. And and Vangio, I say this, he's like this great college professor you have. You know you'll be smarter if you'll learn from if you can stay awake. Right. Because the presentation and how young kids, and remember, a lot of these guys coming into the league are 20, 21, 22, how they consume information is totally different than 15, 20 years ago. And think about how much we know about that now, right? Because when we were young, there's, there wasn't the emphasis on how you present things. It, right. it wasn't the, the learning styles. It, look, here's the book. Read it. Read it. Take the test. And because it I told you to. Is. And that's what it was, right? But now we know about learning styles. We know that some guys are hands-on. We know that some guys can see. We know that some guys have to see and then do, right? And, and even in uh, Nick Saban's culture, right? You talk about how he has adapted his coaching style to today's player. And he says, man, sometimes we have to package things in five different ways just to make sure all of our guys get it. So a coach that understands that and can lean into that is probably going to have more success because it is a player's league after all. And Hackett hired a former educator to do his presentation. Really? I didn't know that. So a guy who's okay. a former teacher. He's a PowerPoint guy. He can do that. He's a PowerPoint guy who creates these creative presentations that are funny, that involve humor, that involve. But again, it disguises things. The, the yes. Learning disguises competition. They are putting the candy in the medicine. Right. So you get it, and all of a sudden you're like, you do these trivia contests and these things that challenge you with the playbook and grade it. Everything becomes a competition. And all of a sudden you look up and go, oh, I'm learning that because it's competitive mm. now. But it's fun. And, again, it's not for everyone, and I understand. But the old school coach of do it and why, coach, because I said – that coach doesn't exist anymore because the kid on the internet can Google it in five seconds and say, this is stupid. Right. Why do I need to run four miles, coach, when my position is going laterally all game and burst of five yards? Why do I need to do that? And what's the coach's answer? You better have one now right. for young kids. And that's where Hackett excels. But he now is in a position of leadership, energizing the building. And, oh, by the way, he's got a quarterback who is part – Tony Robbins and Ned Flanders in terms of his positivity. I've never seen a high-profile player lead with more positivity than Russell Wilson. Will it work? I don't know that. But you, what I'm saying is you have Peyton. Then you have Hackett, his inner Peyton's discipline and his craft, the ability to grind. Hackett, who's also a grinder, but his caffeinated personality. Now Wilson, who's positive. These are all things of why there's been a seismic cultural shift Will it result in wins? I don't know the answer to that. If they were in the NFC, I would say 100%. The AFC, the challenge is real. Hackett's got to prove he can coach. He looks the part, and I'd much rather have an offensive coach than defensive coach because they know how to manage the clock better typically. But I'm excited. I'm excited for it because the change, it's its basically in reinvigorated to hit the reset button on the entire franchise. Troy, you've been around a while and you've visited a lot of teams and a lot of stadiums. I want to hear on the other side of the break what teams you feel like get the culture right and if the Broncos are heading in that direction. We'll do that next. This one, Sydney? No? All right. This, it would be fine, by the way. This, this is a judgment-free zone. Okay. All right. We will not give you credit or we will not condemn you either. 
programming music for what? Are we at an R&B station? I, I, yeah, listen. <laughs> Who is this? I like the vibe, but it's this. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's some it's it's nineties G funk. Yeah, like Dr. Dre and Warren G and all. Those yeah, I was saying, it yeah. sound like uh, the tracks they were laying down before they put the lyrics in. <laughs> yeah, what are we brainstorming here? What's going on? <laughs> Hey, uh, you can join the game by getting in the King Supers fan football pick 'em. Uh, you can get registered for a chance of free win, free groceries for a year, but you have to do that before Thursday. You can sign up at denverfan.com slash picks. Uh, go ahead, go head to head all season with the fan co host. I'm up there. Troy, I don't know if you're up there yet. Yeah, if, I if you're, doubt you're I would be up there. Okay, I'm probably a, not the deal on that. Yeah, I'm a subcontractor. I, I just parachute in once in a while. Okay, okay. O- only when they need it done the right way, right? Yeah, right. something <laughs> no, like that. <laughs> no doubt. So so get in that. That'll be fun all season. And uh, obviously, uh, you'll have bragging rights over some of the hosts as we pretend to know what is going to happen on Sunday. So that'll be fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, Troy, you've been to a lot of NFL stadiums. You've covered the Broncos for a long time. Uh, and, and you've been around and, and you can see uh, when you get into stadiums and when you are on the sidelines, who's doing it right. Sometimes there's body language that indicates that. Sometimes there's communication method, methods that communicate that. Um, what are some of the indicators and in, in who's doing it right around the league that leads to a winning culture? Well, Kansas City is a team I see twice a year. And Andy Reid, I know he had his issues in Philadelphia, but he's a Hall of Fame coach now because he won a Super Bowl. But they do it right there. Their, their special teams are solid. They have He went from Alex Smith seamlessly to Patrick Mahomes. The coaching staff, for the most part, stays intact. And they have a really good general manager who does contracts that allow you to build the team. And that's why you go back and you'll renegotiate with Mahomes, I'm sure. You renegotiate with Kelsey. Now, they made a strategic decision to move on from Tyreek Hill. We'll see how that works. But I understand why they trust their culture. The, the Patriots did it better than anyone. Uh, but they're finding out what Broncos fans have found out, what it was like without Elway, what it's like without Manning. It's way more difficult to win when you don't have an elite quarterback, and in their case, the greatest quarterback of all time. And I've said this, a great quarterback camouflages more blemishes than Revlon. Mm. And Bill Belichick is going to go down to the greatest NFL coach. But what's his record without Tom Brady? It's not great. Right. And Mike Shanahan's experienced the same thing. You can be a great coach. Two things can be true. You can be a great coach, but you can also struggle when, as a great coach when you don't have a quarterback. And so, but New England did it well. Buffalo's doing it well now. They're buttoned up, uh, Kyle. When I, I watch them, San Francisco, the way they do things, a little bit, a little more old school with Kyle Shanahan, but they feel like when you look at the way their roster's constructed and the way, and I don't know about Trey Lance, but I'm just saying, that's a team I could see being in the NFC Championship game. And Green Bay the last few years. Green Bay and Tennessee are teams who've done it really well. Green Bay just is chokes Paige's Dr. Heimlich in the playoffs. Aaron yeah. Rodgers gets tentative like he's afraid to make plays. Score 10 points in a oh playoff game. Oh, my God. That, that's You're an awful MVP. loss. I mean, his playoff record, what is he, like 6-7, and seven, his last 13, is just absolutely baffling. And those are some of those are really brutal home losses. Tampa Bay two years ago, San Francisco last year. Oh, my. But Tennessee under Vrabel, no team embodies their coach more than Tennessee does yeah. for me. Like, it's as if he's a player. Right. They Just rock them, sock them, black and blue. And finally, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. 
they personify his no excuses, the standards, the standard. Right. So those are some. There's a reason teams like this don't have losing seasons. The Broncos had chaos at quarterback, at general manager, at ownership, at five different offensive coordinators in five years. It's impossible to win when you don't have stability at quarterback, coach, and GM. And you look at some of those franchises. For me, it's uh, the gold standard is Pittsburgh and Baltimore. Um, and Baltimore, yeah. I apologize. Baltimore yeah. should be in that and, group, too. Uh, Ozzie Newsom, I think, has done a tremendous job, continues to do a tremendous job. He, 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 he recognizes the personality of the team and leans into that, even still uh, preserving the toughness. Right, They've, there never has been a soft team in Baltimore since Ozzie Newsom has been in the front office. It's just it just hasn't been that. And then obviously Harbaugh uh, just compliments that. So I, I think they're the gold standard in, in, in Pittsburgh. And part of it is the front office willingness to hang in there with guys. You know, every year it seems like they're asking for Mike Tomlin's job. But what does he do? At the end of the season, somehow they're still in the hunt, even when he has subpar talent, even when Ben Roethlisberger is held together with fishing wire and, and scotch tape. You know, they still find their way to, to be relevant. And so uh, the, the willingness to hang in there with your coach and then Pittsburgh, I think, obviously, you know, over you know, what have they had? Three coaches, four coaches yeah. in the history of the franchise. Right. I think that's tremendous. Chuck Noll. Chuck Bill, no, Coward, Bill Coward, both Hall of Famers. Yeah. And Tomlin's going to be one. He, and, and he and he's never had a losing season. And he, they were rolling out a guy named Duck as a quarterback a few years ago. <laughs> and, and you're not kidding about that. Yeah, Ducky was rolling him out. Now, this year, it's going to be tough for them to be 9-8 and eight this year. I mean, they may have to go to the kid a lot sooner than they think. And that schedule early for them is tough. The division stuff. Now, again, <clears throat> with Watson out, Cleveland, to me, will be the bottom of that division because he's out 11 games, and I'm not sure what he's going to play like, frankly, when he comes back yeah. this season. It hasn't been good starting off no. on the on-field. People are underestimating that with Sean Watson. What it's going to be like on the road, that's not going to be easy for him. Yeah. He is going to be— He's going to take some hits. Yeah. It's yeah. not—and playing quarterback's tough enough, and then you're going to be the most hated person in the building. He's never been that. Remember, he was considered one of the best guys in the league. Yeah. Best people in the league. Yeah. Remember, with, he took his check around to the to the workers in the stadium and handed out money. Yeah, he's yeah. that's who he was. Now yeah. he's going from that to the most hated player in the NFL. Yeah, mentally, that's that's a challenge for him, and basically going two years without playing at a skill position. That's not easy either. Yeah, but but you know what? For some reason, I still feel like Pittsburgh's going to be able to figure it out. I just think they just they have the organizational toughness to to hang in there in games, win games that they shouldn't. Um, even with the quarterback being in question, um, no one wants to go into the week one with Trubisky as their quarterback. But that's looks like what they're what they're planning on doing. And uh, it's I I just believe in Mike Tomlin that much, that much, and, and the culture that he's created. And culture wins even at the pro ranks. Well, he's his resume has earned. Your trust. Yeah. His, his resume has earned his trust. His players love him. They play hard for him. They compete. I just, this is the year I think they're going to be right around that eight and nine, nine and eight mark. Yeah. So as the Broncos continue to build this culture and they go into week one um, against Seattle, and I, I think that's going to be on full display when you're going into hostile territory and you got a new quarterback who's visiting his old team, who's going to be public enemy number one in that stadium. Uh, you talk about that with Deshaun Watson. How do you think that plays out for Russell Wilson? 
Russell says he's never fe- he's fearless, never nervous. I I got to believe that there's going to be some pterodactyls in his stomach, not butterflies. Yeah, he, he I know he's been there, but as you said, he's going to get booed. Not I'm not saying it's you know eighty twenty, but you're going to hear boos, and that's a unique situation for him. I don't know that he's ever been booed, frankly. Even in an opposing stadium, he's just yeah. not that kind of guy that incites vigor from fans. But he's going to get booed. Yeah, I'd say at least by fifty percent of the fans, if not more, early in that game. So it's on him to come out, play within himself, make plays as they're presented. That's the thing about the West Coast offense. There's layups in the offense. Russell, to me, again, was the Dan Reeves, John Elway with Pete Carroll the last few years. We're going to keep it close, Russ, and you go win it late. Go win it late. Again, that's not terribly sustainable. This offense is layup, layup, three-pointer. Layup, layup, three-pointer. You don't have to shoot the three-pointers when you got a blitz coming on the opposite side and hanging in there to get that deep shot to K.J. Hamlin. You don't have to do that in this offense. So can Russell kind of just blend and evolve with the offense as you saw with Aaron Rodgers? Rodgers got appreciably better under Hackett and LaFleur understanding Take the easy throws in the offense. That's where Javante Williams and more specifically Melvin Gordon could be huge in the checkdown game. Yeah, I think it's, uh, we use the term staying on schedule. Right. Right, stay on the field, convert the third downs, make sure the third down is not third and seven, right? The third and twos are a lot more friendly to the playbook. And uh, and you'll have some success. And it and it helps when you got dudes that when you get into a, a bind uh, like Devontae Adams in that system that can make plays for you and hopefully court and sudden and Jerry Judy proved to be those kind of players, which they absolutely have the athletic ability to do. We'll talk about that more on the other side of the break. Is Troy Rankin, Kyle Reese. Happy Labor Day, Denver. In this morning for Chad and Nate, here's Kyle Reese and Denver 7's Troy Rank. Welcome back. Troy Rank, Kyle Reese sitting in now for Chad and Nate. Taking you up to the uh, 10 o'clock hour. It was uh, Schlereth and Evans. Can't remember exactly where we made the turn, but that's who would normally be on at this time. Um, speaking of normal, it's a little different when you play on Monday, right? Your schedule gets pushed back a little bit. Uh, you know, there's always a, a, a consistent complaint about Thursday night games. Uh, even when you play on Monday, your next week's schedule gets pushed up a little bit now. So, um, in your experience, Troy, observing the team and, and traveling with them, how does that uh, impact the schedule and, and what does the preparation week look like for them? Yeah, you got an extra day, sort of. Like So today you expect players to kind of gather and be at the facility, but the first practice back and, and, and media availability begins Tuesday, and then they're off again because Tuesday becomes your normal Monday. So it's a weird thing because you've been off Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You may do something light today. Practice, you have a light day Tuesday, then off Wednesday. So the huge two days in preparation this week are Thursday, Friday. And Coach Hackett's talked about just kind of piecemealing it in. He didn't want to put the game plan in too early because he said you want to keep it fresh and challenge guys. And it is how he teaches about innovation and technology and relationships and not like, okay, Two weeks left in preseason, we're doing just Seahawks stuff. He feels like you just kind of integrate it a little bit by a little, and then obviously you're going to hit it hard on Thursday and Friday. They would have a light day on Saturday, and you travel, and we'll see. I mean, see, here's the thing. If they were playing 
anywhere but Seattle in terms of Russell Wilson going back to his former stadium, I'd say, oh, yeah, they, they can win. They can win. I'm mean, Let's take Kansas City. I'm just saying, like, if they're playing a team that has the expectations of Seattle, I would say they'd win easily. The yeah. problem with Seattle is Seattle doesn't know they're bad right now. Uh, they're going to finish badly. You look at their team, their roster, and the division they're in. Right. They're not bad right now. And no they're going to have yeah. a chip on their shoulder to beat Russell Wilson. And that stadium is as loud as any stadium I've ever been in. And there's going to be energy and optimism in the air, just like any other NFL team opening day. And, oh, yeah, it's Monday night. Right. And all eyes are on you. And you want that if you're the Broncos. You weren't on Monday night last year. So you're saying the Seattle Seahawks are kind of like a puppy. They don't know they're in the way. They don't know that they're not good yet. Yeah. And you're you're young. You're 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 feeling. But and as much as people say, well, that's that's right for an upset. And I would say two words: Geno Smith. <laughs> when I pick Broncos games the last few years, you look at the team that has the best quarterback. You want to follow NFL trends. Typically, the team with the best quarterback wins the majority of the time. The Broncos are significantly better at quarterback than the Seahawks. No doubt. If it was Drew Locke going there to face Geno Smith, I would probably pick the Seahawks because they're really good at home in a loud environment. Right. That's just the reality of it. And the quarterback it, would be almost a wash at that It's kind point. of a wash based on who they are. If And so now you got Russell Wilson. That's huge upgrade. That's like from your rotary phone to Apple 14 <laughs> upgrade at quarterback. Quantum so, leap. Quantum. And... That's why. But their re- preparation this week is a little weird because you have the layoff since camp is over and final cuts. You come back together, maybe do a little bit here Monday. Tuesday, you're together. Wednesday's an off day. And then the main game plan days are Thursday and Friday. Time for Russell Wilson, Nathaniel Hackett to work their offensive magic. And I do believe with that you that they're going to try to run the ball. I just believe, and I'll throw this to you as a coach because you said it, you, you want to see him run the ball. You want to see him kind of take the air out of the football a little bit, control the clock. That's the easiest way to take the opposing crowd out of it is run the football. I just think Pete Carroll knows Russell Wilson. He's going to say, we're going to sell out to stop the run and see if you would take chances to try to beat us that might lead to a couple turnovers. There's there's nothing like when the stadium and the opposing team knows you're running the football and you run it anyway. (laughs) <laughs> and, and you have success doing that because that is so demoralizing as a defense to have third down after third down converted on you or to keep giving up three or four yards per clip. Even, even if you get three and a half when the box is loaded, that's still a win for the offense. What happens is, is the tackles for loss, is the negative plays or the stalemates that really start to energize the defense and starts to take the air out of the offense. But as you said, you, you know, Pete Carroll does understand Russell Wilson and, and perhaps maybe will challenge him to win the game with his arms and perhaps even his feet. But if you load the box on Russell, you look on the edges, I kind of like my chances there, right? You know, now it's time for Jerry Judy to say, hey, by the way, I was the 15th pick in the first round and I was drafted to be a dude here, right? And so I should be able to beat any player on the interior and probably on the edge as well. I like that matchup. And Cortland Sutton, well, we know what he brings to the table. So that's when you take your shots because you got to take one thing away in order to um, – solidify another so when you're gonna when you're gonna load the box that means i'm sacrificing my coverage a little bit and i like the broncos dudes against the seattle secondary so maybe it does down, come down to a russell wilson game i'd like i don't want to see that right because i don't think that is going to be sustainable for 17 games i don't think that's how you want to win but i think you can win this game doing that 
Yeah, you don't want to be too pass heavy because once you get over like 35 attempts a game, the winning percentage nosedives dramatically. The winning Outs- percentage and the turnovers. Turnovers increase and the winning yeah. percentage nosedives. And the only quarterback that wins when he throws 40, 50 times a game consistently through history is Tom Brady. Yep. Even the greats, Peyton Manning, typically when they get into the number 40, that's a losing record. But I'm fine with Russell around 30, 32. Uh, the ideal game for me would be 23 for 30, 20 for 28, 250, a couple of scores, and you run the football. But there's going to be games. And the reason I say this is Russell Wilson wanted to cook. Pete Carroll didn't want him to cook. Is he going to say, like, play into it then? Okay, you rush, you want to cook? You want to cook? Because that's where he he slumped a little bit with the Seahawks, and it was some injury-related. But I'm going to give you some stats here, Kyle. Okay. That suggest that the Broncos should be heavy favorite. What are they, six now, I think? Okay. Six and a half. Russell Wilson in September is an absolute dog. Okay. Getting after it. Lay it on me. His last three Septembers. This is research while we're doing a show. Multitasking. Is your pro? Go ahead. Last three Septembers for Russell Wilson. Ready? Hit me. Seven and three record. Wow. Twenty nine touchdowns. One interception. Wow. But but that would lead to the start that the Broncos need, right? And twenty nine sacks, so he gets hit. <laughs> He's running around, baby. He's making plays, coloring outside the lines. You got to watch for the hook with Troy, man. He, he, but, who knew there would be twenty nine sacks after those stats that you laid out from the beginning? Well, watching him, I would believe it. Yeah, and like I'd say of those twenty nine, I'd say probably fifteen are on Russell mm. extending plays, trying to cook, trying to cook. He doesn't need to do that as much the way this offense sets up, but. Seven and three, 29 touchdowns, one pick. In September, his career, 21 and 13, just okay. He's 63 touchdowns and 15 picks. This guy comes out lit. Right. He's ready to fire <laughs> right now. Let's go. Right. That's why I don't want to hold him. I don't want to take the wag out of the puppy dog's tail here. But I have Russell Wilson. I don't want him to beat Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. I want him to play enough. Let him run around and make a couple big plays. To your point, like a couple big plays. I don't need you throwing 40 times to do it. Right. Pick your shot. Take your shot. And history tells you in September, he's really good. So, in the last three years, I don't know any quarterback that would be better, maybe similar, 29 touchdowns and one pick. That's pretty That's pretty elite. I, pretty, I'm going to look up the Broncos last three do Septembers. That. Don't do that. And they were winless until they were 0 7. So they're 3 7 in their last 10 in September. Russell, 7 3. I know they didn't have 29 touchdowns in one pick. Oh, yeah. You don't have to look to find that out. But how about we weigh it against the other, what we would consider elite court? I think it would just be, it it would be torture almost to look at the Broncos statistics over the last how many ever quarterbacks they've had during that same period. But I would say, you know, we talked about how we want the game to look. And obviously, I'm, you know, a little bit prehistoric in some of my outlooks and I want to run the ball and play good defense and I believe that's how you win football games but if I'm hearing you right you're saying at this particular time of the year absolutely let Russ cook it's cook but he doesn't need to serve a five course meal okay Okay. I want him to cook but I don't need him to do everything okay because this personnel he shouldn't have to Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon are the best tandem in the league Depending on how you see Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard. Last year, they were the best tandem in the league statistically. But Zeke ain't Zeke no more. Zeke is more like old Zeke than the Zeke of old. (laughs) He's He's taking on water. No doubt. Now, he had a knee issue last year. So I'm and not, he's reached his shelf life. 
But even he, as NFL running backs go. Not a lot of tread left on that tire. Okay. Gordon and Javante are the best tandem in the league for me right now as we enter the season. It kills and crushes the souls of fantasy league owners. I understand that. Because they split carries. Because they want Javante to be 1,800 yards and 20 touchdowns. It's going to be hard for him to do if he's even if it's a 60-40 split. But Russ doesn't. He can cook, but he doesn't need to do the five-course meal. He doesn't need to. You should be able to run the ball where he goes and makes plays on third and three, Kyle, not third and 15 at the 50 running backwards. He doesn't need to make that play all the time anymore. Right. He shouldn't. In Seattle, it was like run around Russ, make something happen because they couldn't run the football his last few years. Once Marshawn Lynch left, they were not a good running foot, a good running team. They were for segments of a season, yeah. but not for the – Course of a season, so and it was injury, and then they kind of had they were putting out applications for running backs for a minute. There. Right, I mean, Marshawn came back at one point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that, that's tough. Listen, I want him to cook, but I don't need him to be in the kitchen all night serving five courses. No doubt, that it'll <laughs> it'd be fun to see what he comes up with and what he serves up. From the very beginning, I know a lot of Bronco fans are excited to see that. Hey, we'll talk a little bit more about Russ's, what Russ is cooking up. But first, we need to hear about what the Rockies have done over the past few years. And this is Spilly to let us know. It's Around the Bases, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook with Ryan Spielborgs. Here's Spilly. Colorado Rockies have finally come home for a Labor Day game playing this afternoon against the Milwaukee Brewers. Three games against the Brewers scheduled. Over the weekend, the Rockies matched up against the Cincinnati Reds, and let's just say it didn't go so hot. For the Cincinnati Reds, they win Sunday on the doubleheader of game two, 10 to nothing. Rockies won the first one, first win of a doubleheader since 2017 to win the first game. Crazy to think that. They won 8-4. to four. Herman Marcus was good. He had his 10th win. Pitched really well against a very young, good-looking kid named Nick Lodolo. Now, the Rockies, they're trying to figure out how to use some of the young players. Mike Tolia was a very good player over the week, and so was Sean Bouchard. The Rockies now come home after a 3-7 and 10-game road trip. Not so hot. So six games at home, and they'll try to get back on track before they head out to Chicago for a week next week. Was around the bases presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Yeah! Happy Labor Day, Denver. In this morning for Chad and Nate, here's Kyle Reese and Denver 7's Troy Ray. Man, time flies when you got good company. Troy Ray riding shotgun with me, and uh, man, we have blown through four hours. And I haven't, uh, it's been very enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you for hanging out with me. It's, it's been a good time. Yeah, it's glad. First time we've ever worked together. Mm-hmm. Got a lot in common. Got a Pueblo connection. Man. Uh, great Mexican food in Pueblo. You got your. And if you have Pueblo ties, you know how serious that is. Like that green chili thing is serious. Don't, don't mess around with it at all. Exactly. At all. So, hey, uh, you've, you've got some, you've been going hard over there for like the last five minutes or so. And you've got some steam coming out of your ears. You got some stuff you want to share with us. Hit me with the good stuff, Troy. Yeah, I'm almost there. I'm going through. So Russell Wilson was seven and three in his last three Septembers. Okay. Broncos were three and seven. They won. They were zero and seven prior to last September. So I'm getting my last few stats here. But the touchdown to interception ratio is going to be staggering when compared to Russell Wilson the last three Septembers. 29 touchdowns, one pick. 
already in my quick research, just through the last two Septembers, the Broncos had three picks. And, you know, they not very many touchdowns. So you're looking at it. It's going to be almost twice as many touchdowns and probably six times as many picks in their last three Septembers at quarterback, which is why you should be optimistic no about doubt. a fast start. At Seattle, home against Houston, San Francisco with Trey Lance, at Vegas, Indy, at Chargers. I mean, that's for me, four and two. Jets, Jacksonville. You got to win those two games. Jets to Jacksonville, you can't mess around. Let's be real here. Got to have those. I don't want to hear young offense, injury. No, you've beat the Jets at home. You've got to beat the Jacksonville in London. I, I don't care if you're in Germany. might Ger- be a tougher out than you think, though. I don't care if you're in London. I don't care if you're in <laughs> Germany. I don't care if you're a you got to beat Jacksonville. You pick okay. a continent. Tell me where to be. And you got to beat them you if you're the Broncos. If, if you're talking about being a real contender, right? Exactly, right? When people start qualifying games, if you're a contender with Russell Wilson, you beat Jacksonville. Period. End of story. Next. Who's right. up? Yeah, I, I think. It's ironic. It's, it's Ariana Grande. Thank you, next. I look <laughs> at that. Thank you, next. We move on. Look at you making a pop culture reference. Um, the, the importance of the, the fast start, as you said, the back end of the schedule is Absolutely brutal. So you got to get some hay in the bar, right? Let so let, yeah. let them have it. Let them know why that's so difficult right. and why it's so important to get off to a fast so, start. So, so you're at Jacksonville, right? And and that's at Wembley Stadium. You're going to get a little bit of a break there because the bye comes after that, and then you're going to be at Tennessee. Let's be honest. That's a rock'em sock'em team, right? That's a really physical game. You got to expect Derrick Henry. Um, Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, he's still healthy because you want to see teams at their best when you play. Because you you want to measure yourself against teams like that. So, at Tennessee is not an easy out. Las Vegas is a divisional game. You already know what could happen there. You got a one p.m. game at Carolina. You got a one p.m. game at Baltimore. You take just that four game chunk. You got three games on the road, and three of them start at one p.m., which historically has not been good for the Denver Broncos. And then you've got a divisional opponent there. So that's not a good. It, what used to be quarter-up games, but now that they've added an additional one, the math kind of doesn't work out in that way. But that's a tough chunk there. Oh, then you get done with Baltimore, and then you're at home against Kansas City. We all know what that brings, right? And and you've got definitely an axe to grind there with, what you say, 13 games that they've dropped to the Chiefs? 13 straight. 13 straight. And I don't know that you can ever say that in Broncos history, right? And for a long time, the Chiefs were... A tough divisional opponent, but you weren't going to lose 13 straight games to them. And that, if my math serves me correctly, that's six and a half years. Yeah, it was the last time they beat them was Peyton Manning's last season in September in Kansas City, where they frankly made a miraculous comeback down 14 nothing. And then Brandon Marshall, as Jamal Charles is trying to run out the clock, he pokes the ball away in a scoop and score from Bradley, Bradley Roby. You know, don't go gently into this deep night. That was an unbelievable Peyton Manning moment in his last season. And he didn't have a lot of them, folks. He was awful the first six, eight games of the year in terms of he had doubled the interceptions to touchdowns. But thank good he had a historical defense. Exactly. And they got him back at the right time. And he just became basically a coach on the field in the playoffs. And he made a couple of plays. And Owen Daniel showed up. And, you know, Mm. it was just the contributions from so many different guys in that season uh, are part of what made it special just because it wasn't just one guy. It wasn't just TJ Ward. It wasn't just a keep to leap. So, um, but again, that is, that is something that um, is 
stuck in the craw of Bronco fans is that it's been that long since they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, you don't want Chiefs fans driving around here with that kind of bragging, right? And for the last six and a half years, they've had that. Then you got Arizona at home. Who knows what they'll be? Will they fall apart like they did last year? Or are they going to live up to the hype of their head coach and their quarterback and their all-pro receiver? Quite possible. They've also got a really good secondary. Um, So that'll be interesting to watch there. At Rams, defending Super Bowl champions, at Kansas City Chiefs, and then you finish off with the Chargers. So the back end is just, again, I'm with you. You got to stack some wins. You got to put some hay in the barn uh, because you're going to win it. Because if you need to win four or five games, uh, those aren't going to be easy wins anywhere 10 through 18. And those last five, you could lose out and be playing well at Rams, at Kansas City. At, against the Chargers. They've, the one team they played well against in the AFC West, even during this dark period, the last six years, is the Chargers. Yeah. But they're 5-13 and 13 in the AFC West the last three years. And I want to circle back now. I've got my numbers. Let's go. <clears throat> Russell Wilson, if you're just joining us, why I'm optimistic on a fast start. And it, some of this is Apple to Orange's new team, but it, it is an indication of a guy who's prepared and plays well early in the season. Russell Wilson, last three September, 7-3, 29 touchdowns, one pick. The Broncos, the last three Septembers, three and seven, 13 touchdowns, six picks, 35 sacks. Russell Wilson, 29 sacks. He's had more than twice the touchdowns, 29 touchdowns in September compared to 13 for the Broncos quarterbacks during that same span. He has one pick. They have six. He was sacked 29 times, which seems like a lot. That's almost three a game. Broncos were 35 over those games. Goodness. It's an improvement. That's why when I say significant upgrade. Even even in the worst of categories, it's still getting better. Exactly. He gets sacked a lot. Not as much as the Broncos quarterbacks have been sacked the last three Septembers. Man. He doesn't win all the time. Well, he's 7-3 and three in the last three Septembers. Is he really that good in September? He's got 29 touchdowns and one pick the last three Septembers. Don't, don't tell me you don't have a sample size. Don't, don't tell me you don't have enough information to draw a conclusion on that. In his September's in his career, 63 touchdowns, 15 picks. You said 21 and 13. 21 in, and in 13. Because they had some ugly September's, uh, a couple ugly ones where they went 1 and 2. In years, they probably should have been good. I'd have to look back. But he's had a 4 and 0 September. He's had 3 and 1, 3 and 0 September. So he's had undefeated September's three times at 4 and 0, 3 and 0, 3, you know. Two, three, uh, four and oh, and a three and oh, and a three and one. I mean, he gets off to decent starts. Last year, they were one and two. He still had seven touchdowns and no picks. Yeah. I'm just saying, folks, I get it. Some people are down on Russell Wilson. I am not one of them. Well, I think throughout the show, throughout the four hours, you've given us plenty, plenty of reasons to be optimistic and to even like Russell Wilson a little bit more than we might have thought of before. I think the, uh, the why not you story was a great story. So thanks for sharing that with us. And that's one of the beautiful gems you get when you have Troy Rank in the studio and you get to talk for a little while. You get the insider information. And so that's uh, exclusive here on 104.3 The Fan. Um, so Broncos start off next Monday. The NFL season kicks off this Thursday. If you want to get in the game with us you can listen to the Fan War Room Season Preview Special. That's with Orlando, Chad, Noshan, Stoke, and Zach Bai. That's Thursday at noon from Brothers Barbecue at I-25 and Arapahoe. So you can participate. You can uh, get in on the excitement that is circling the studio and the city. 
because it's going to be a great year, and Russell Wilson is going to cook next Monday. Next time we talk, I imagine we'll be talking about Russell Wilson's great start to September, and I'm looking forward to it, Troy. I can't wait. It's the most highly anticipated opener since probably Peyton Manning's debut, maybe the 97 team after the Jacksonville loss, but you're talking in the last 25 years, this is, if not the most anticipated opener, certainly in the top three, and we're almost there. And we got John Davis and Dan Jacobs coming up, and it's uh, I'm sure they'll have some great insight uh, at the 10 o'clock hour. It's been Troy Rank, Kyle Reese sitting in for, at this point, Chad and Nate, and uh, we've enjoyed it. We'll talk to you next time. Hey, this is Nate Jackson. Thanks for checking out Chad and Nate On Demand, presented by SCL Mortgage, the home of MySpecialMortgage.com.